Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. Today is Friday, December 11th. I'm Carter, and here's Carrie. Hey, Carter. How are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Uh, I'm not ready for the holiday season to be upon us, frankly, but... Uh, it's already here. I'm ready. I know. I'm celebrating every day. <laughs> I know you are. I have. <laughs> did you see this behind me? I have. This is from this hat is from Sandykins. I'm going to start wearing it. This one on the skull. I'm going to start wearing it next week on Coffee Break. It's my it's going to I'm going to try and get into the holiday spirit. Oh, week. that was really funny when you sent me a picture of yourself in the Santa hat on the last episode. And then you said, uh, it's only for Carrie's eyes right now, which made it sound gross. <laughs> it did sound gross. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's not gross. It's that hat. It's an picture. awesome hat. It's like the best Santa it's hat awesome I've hat. ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you, Sandy Kins, who I don't even know if is in chat today, but she'll probably see this eventually. Um, yeah. I think you should just wearing it now. Bust it out now. I've been watching Christmas movies, and it's been ex- old ones. It's been exciting. No, I'm, I'm going to um, give myself, wait until Monday. Wait until Monday. Okay. What are you okay. watching? What Christmas movies? Uh, White Christmas with Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney and, uh, gosh, what's that guy's name? That Somebody in chat will know. Racist Christmas? Hmm? Has that been renamed to Racist Christmas? <laughs> Not yet. White Privilege Christmas? <laughs> that's a great, even if you don't like um, musicals, it's I don't know if I would even call it a musical. There's a lot of singing and dancing, but I don't think of it as a musical. It's I don't know really, if I've ever seen it. It's really funny. It's it's just okay. it's a nice movie. Uh, what else? Well, you know, Pee Wee. Every year I watch Pee Wee's uh, Christmas special, oh, and yeah, uh, Dolly Parton's Smoky Mountain Christmas. I'm saving for Christmas week, but a bunch of people gave me a lot of suggestions of other movies that, and some of them I've never even heard of, and some are old that I haven't. I haven't watched in a long time. So anyway, um, welcome. If it's your first time here, this is the daily. I always say day, this is used to be a daily show. This is now a show we only do on Mondays and Fridays. We do it live. Um, and we take questions from the chat and hang out with you guys and talk about what's in the news, what's going on in the world. Um, if you're new here, I know we have some new people from trigonometry and nerdrotic. Uh, welcome. We're doing book club every month. We pick a different book. We usually alternate between nonfiction and fiction. This month we are doing fiction. We're doing The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. If you want to join us, we'll be discussing it live on December 20th on a Sunday. And you can go to unsafespace.com to the book club page to find out more. We also have already picked the book for the following month for January. I'm very excited because a lot of people have this book and they've already started it and are, are excited to talk about it. We're doing um, Cynical Theories by Helen Pluckrose and James Lindsay. So that'll be in January if you want to get started on that one. But Yes, yeah, some light Christmas reading for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Someone said, why did we stop Daily Shows? It's not a super chat, but I'm just going to answer. The Daily Shows we were like 20 to 30 minutes and pre-recorded when we were doing them. Um, and we found it more stressful to make sure that we had 20 minutes worth of something to talk about every day and then do all the it editing. Wasn't, and it wasn't just that it was stressful. It was that actually we stopped doing them before COVID and the pandemic, remember? And we we – Carter mm-hmm. said, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, he said, I don't want to prioritize quantity over quality. I don't want to do a show 
just to do a show, if there's nothing worthwhile talking about, just to be, just to have the show, let's just do it twice a week. And then we'll always have things that we want to talk about. And it won't, we won't be, um, choosing quantity over quality. Funny enough, after we did that, the pandemic happened, all the lockdowns happened, election year happened. And at some point I thought, you know, we could probably go back to a daily show now. (laughs) There's enough going on. (laughs) We just, we probably could, but I like it this way better because uh, we went from these short shows where we felt like we had to find something to talk about every day, which was the quantity over quality thing, to long shows that are live so we can interact with, with you guys. And twice a week, you know, we can queue stuff up for a few days and if the shows need to be on the short end because it's a slow week, fine. If it's if they're longer shows, that's fine too. Um, thanks for the notes about my microphone. I did just turn it up, so hopefully that's fixed for all of you guys. Um, so yeah, that's why. Um, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. If you want to support the show, you can go to unsafespace.com slash donate. If you want to get your grenade mug because you are a subscriber at the $25 or up level you basically have today i was gonna ship them today i'm probably not gonna ship them till tomorrow but this is probably the last batch before christmas so uh yeah there's the mug wait i'll put it so you can see it better there you go there's the mug sorry i'm doing my best uh price is right you're doing an excellent job it's a price is right okay (laughs) i thought qvc oh qvc and it has a grenade pen you can pull out which is kind of (laughs) cool So, yeah. Anyway, thank you guys. Thanks for those of you who have already su- subscribed and supported us and gotten your mug. And yes. uh, I next year we'll have to think of a different kind of mug, even better than a grenade. I yes, know. although I have quite a number of grenade. I had to buy them in bulk, so uh, I want to run out of the grenade mugs before we switch. <laughs> Plus, the grenade mugs are pretty awesome. Um, and. That's a high bar. We came out of the gate with a high bar. The next mug better be damn good. The next one could be a ball of yarn, a ceramic ball of yarn, and the handle could be a knitting needle. (laughs) What? What? You know people in the chat will like that. (laughs) Carter says this is not a knitting podcast. It is sometimes a knitting podcast, but not everyone. Uh, the knitters like grenades, I will point out, though. Yes, they do. Uh, so, because we have <laughs> badass knitters. They're not, they're not, they're not pansy knitters. They're badass knitters. Um, <clears throat> all right. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait, we're also supposed to, I'm also, also supposed to remind everyone about the Clips channel. Uh, if you want to go to the Clips channel, or if you, if you want to just watch clips and not these long episodes, you want to watch clips of, I guess, the most salient parts as determined by Beverly. Uh, you can go to Unsafe Space Clips, and if you don't know how to get there, you can just go to unsafespace.com slash clips. It'll redirect you there, and uh, there you go. <clears throat> Someone says, I need a new arms dealer for the next mugs. Yeah, I don't. maybe we can find an assault mug. I don't know what that looks like exactly, but uh, I, did, I did try and fly with some of them in my carry-on luggage, <clears throat> and it did cause TSA to unpack everything in front of me and verify that they were made of ceramic mm-hmm. and didn't contain anything. Nice. All right. Whew. I don't know, Today, Carrie. Today, I know we have the things stuff. that were already queued up to talk mm-hmm. about, but I wanted to spring something on you because that's always fun. I like it. 
So, you know this comedian, Kumail Nanjani? No. But I don't know many. I'm not like a comedian person. So, unless you tell me Ricky Gervais or Chris Rock or someone, I don't really know who you're talking about. Okay, I'm sending this to you right now. Uh, He's on a a popular TV show currently. I think it's still on about Silicon Valley. I forget what it's called. Is it the one called Silicon Valley? Oh, yeah, that might be the name. So (laughs) because I do know that show. (laughs) Okay, yeah, he's on that show. And uh, I, you know, I met this guy a couple times back when I worked in comedy. He's a nice enough. I think he's a nice enough guy. He's just like a lot of them. He's just pulled into the cult of belief and what's interesting is that one yeah, yeah okay, he, okay. he got really buff this year he started working out for a role he had or something and he got really buff and you know was weightlifting and had he had come under the scrutiny of his own social justice cohorts and he was getting a lot of flack wait, for, wait, wait. for being buff yes because you know they they don't like it when you work out or try and improve your health or fitness or anything. Oh, I thought they just didn't like it when you talked about it. I didn't know they actually don't like you being they fit. They don't like it. If you're fla- <laughs> flaunting it, like I think he was on the cover of a magazine looking all buff. They didn't like that. You He's know, an you're because it's triggering and it's fat shaming to people who aren't buff. Why? Anyway, if fat is okay, why are you triggered by anyone being not fat? Like why, if it's not a problem that you're yeah. fat, why are you triggered by looking at a muscular guy? Do you, you know this ideology I know, doesn't I'm, make sense. I'm saying that. I'm just saying this. So it's, I'm not speaking to you directly. I'm just speaking to right. the ether, I guess. Okay. To the ether. Yeah, but anyway, so it's funny because he's gotten, and someone pointed this out in my comments. Which I thought it was a great point. They said maybe he's now overly, he's virtue signaling because he's been subjected to the mob himself for mm. getting fit. But for whatever reason, he decided to tweet a couple days ago, if you want to pull it up. Yep. And he just said simply, Traditional masculinity is a disease. Mm, how would uh, you? And <laughs> how would you know? <laughs> but here's what I like about this. Oh, yeah, you can see what I said there. But essentially what I think about this is I appreciate it in a way because I like when they be- get honest. Yep. I like when they are they tell the truth. And for a long time, we know they've been they've coined this phrase toxic masculinity because it's 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 more palatable for them to attack, to say that they're not attacking masculinity as a whole. They like to pretend like they're not attacking masculinity. Oh no, we're just attacking this toxic part of it. That's just this right. toxic. Just the toxic and, masculinity. Which part's right. that? Uh, Which part is just it? all of it. And so <laughs> he's getting honest. He's now saying yeah. traditional masculinity. Traditional masculinity. What is he talking about? He's linking to this thing. Can we? Can I look at it? Can I? Will you let me click? Oh, yeah, but it's it's boring, and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. He's just responding to something about men who no. voted for Trump. It, that Why did so many happen. men stick with Trump? Actually, they're the only demographic that went down was white men. They did go, they did go down, uh-huh. white men. This person doesn't even realize that. But um, it doesn't matter what he's replying to. The point is I like that he's being honest about what he believes. He believes that masculinity is itself – traditional masculinity as we understand masculinity that it's a that it's a disease and so and i think that that also shows us that because the more that they feel comfortable with with their belief system having taken root 
the more comfortable they get thinking that it's become dominant and that people have, okay, once we all accept that toxic masculinity, first of all, is a thing. And secondly, that it's awful. Well, now we can move the goalposts and we can start more openly, directly attacking masculinity itself, which was always the goal. Right. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's, that's why they use the word toxic masculinity so they could shove two words together that one of them sounds bad because it is because toxicity is bad. So everyone has to nod their head and say, well, obviously toxic masculinity is bad. Toxic anything is bad. Toxic noun. That's bad because the word toxic is there. So <laughs> you get people to say like, oh, that's bad. And then you just quietly like, well, we've been talking about masculinity being bad for so long. Do we really remember that the there was the word toxic in front of it. Now it's just uh, masculinity is bad. But this has been going on. I've all right. You're gonna. I'm not gonna rant too much on this, Carrie. But you remind. I'm glad you like blindsided <laughs> me with this because something that's been pissing me off for decades. And you started to see this in. Uh, I I first noticed it. I don't know when it started, but I first noticed it in uh, with Married with Children and The Simpsons. You started to see this shift in Hollywood away from father figures being respectable in any way. Um, fathers became pathetic jokes in Hollywood. For almost universally, very few shows had a strong father figure who was respected at all. Um, and, you know, you can you rewind and look at the old shows like My Three Sons or Leave it to Beaver or Donna Reed or, you know, even even shows like The Brady Bunch, right? Um, it, I, I understand the desire to portray women in roles other than subservient housewives. I get that, although I don't think housewives need to be subservient. And I don't think all dynamics between married couples are the, the, the BDSM type of thing that the left seems to think, right? Like people have you know, areas of agreement and like, well, you be responsible for this and I'll do this and I'll make these decisions and you do that. And like, that's part of a partnership. But anyway, uh, so they, they vilify housewives a lot. So I don't, I'm not trying to vilify housewives, but I understand why they want to have other examples of women. Um, but that's not all they did. They didn't just make Mrs. Huxtable uh, type shows, right? Then what was she like a lawyer, right? He was a doctor was and say, she was a lawyer. A lawyer. Yeah, right. they didn't just portray women with in a variety of, of jobs and roles in, in society and in the family. They also simultaneously started to denigrate men. Yes. And masculine roles. Yeah. yeah. I know. And and, and always like I mean like almost every show after around that time. I mean I mean, there's probably a few exceptions. I'm not a huge uh, like sitcom or television person. But the shows that I, I'm thinking of, you know, you look at shows like Married with Children. By the way, that dad doesn't deserve respect. He actually, it's not like they denigrate him. It's not like they, they take someone who ha is a respectful character and make jokes about him and try and bring him down. They build a character who actually deserves no respect and is, is, is worthless. They They did similar stuff with Homer. They made him a little bit more sort of lovable sometimes with Homer Simpson. Uh, but then they just kind of moved on. And there's been decades Numerous. of shows where like this is this is what we expect. And it has absolutely seeped into culture um, where women can talk about their husbands uh, to each other and publicly in in diminutive ways. And, guy, and we're all just supposed to be like, oh, that's a healthy relationship. Oh, yeah, those guys, those guys are pathetic idiots who couldn't it's exist without you. 
remember when I told you about the woke bookstore here in my, my small town and they mm. have a lot of cool stickers that they sell. But, and I, I actually bought a couple of them, but I bought, you know, the, I bought like the Dolly Parton one. They have other stickers in that same line. And I've seen these at other bookstores too. They, it's the, what it's the same company that does all the Ruth Bader Ginsburg stickers and, and merchandise. Anyway, they have stickers that say it's like a, it looks like a vial of, uh, something liquid and it says male tears and it's a woman drinking it. And I mean, they have all this stuff that's very anti male and you can't imagine the opposite. I asked one of the the cashiers there one day, I was like, (laughs) do you have have the, do you have the one with female tears or the man drinking? I'd like to buy that one. And they're like, what? No, I'd like to get the other one. (laughs) I'm calling the police on you, ma'am. Uh, yeah. So I, and, I don't know. They think, they, they think these things are harmless. They think these things are funny and harmless. Oh, they think they're and good. They think they're good. Yeah. But they think they're good because it, and, and a lot of, I think normies will see something like that and not realize what that is. It's like, Oh, that's just some little sticker. And no, it's part of a belief system that they believe it's okay to single out men and attack them and denigrate them and to celebrate drinking male tears because they think men as a class collectively hold power and therefore it's impossible to be sexist towards men. You know, it's all part of this, these, these beliefs. It's not just some innocuous sticker. Yeah. And and, I mean, I, I know, you know, this way more than I do, but I'll just be the one to bring it up. I mean, a lot of radical feminist literature from the past envisioned societies in which men aren't uh, a part of child rearing or even technologically yeah. m- like necessary. making children like necessary. They men are viewed as in fact, they I think they've done research in in schools as well, because most young uh, most teachers in of, of younger grades are are women. Girls are viewed or boys are viewed as broken girls. That's how they're yeah. viewed. They're viewed as girls with behavioral problems. Um, and that has that has an effect that has an effect and you also have a lot of these guys being raised by single moms who are bitter about the <laughs> non-existence or the absence of the father figure often uh talking crap about how horrible guys are i mean and you know they grow up kind of internalizing all of this stuff i mean i know it's a joke to talk about internalized whiteness and blah 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 and and that is a joke but People do internalize things, and there's there's a lot of like this guy Kumal is that his name? Yeah, Kumal. Uh, he's like internalizing. He's internalizing sexism against his own sex, is what mm-hmm. he's doing. Yeah, um, that's what that is. Well, well, I mean that goes back. I've thought about that before about how they like to they like to say that people have all kinds of internalized isms, right? So if you're a woman who doesn't adhere to social justice ideology, they say you're internally sexist. Or if you're a black person who doesn't, they say you're internally racist. But, um, but I think, I think a lot of that is projection because they are, the belief system does work to try and internalize sexism and racism in people. It does. It tries to, it tries to get you to be a man who denigrates men and masculinity to be a white person who denigrates white people and 
whiteness. <laughs> as <laughs> as always, it's largely about right. projection with these people, right? So yeah. they, if a black person says something that's not woke, they have, suddenly they have internalized whiteness, which is another way of saying internalized, what they mean is internalized racism against black mm -hmm. people. Um, but this is from people, this is coming from people who have have internalized racism again. Yes. <laughs> I was like, how many, how many white people hate on white people? You've mentioned the story before about a white person moving to Texas saying like, oh, too many white people here, right, Carrie? Yeah. Like yeah. They, they hate on themselves. Uh, yeah. There's nothing, there is almost nothing more destructive than hating on yourself for attributes over which you have no control. It's one of the most it's one of the most idiotic and and harmful things to do is to run around and being like, I hate myself because of skin color. But yeah, here we go. I don't know how we got on that. But yeah. Anyway, if you haven't trendy. watched our episode on the we have a couple. We have an episode on the APA guidelines for um, for boys and men where they they talk about toxic masculinity. We have an episode on that. I don't that's pretty old. And then we interviewed Tom Golden uh, about that as well. If you're interested in toxic masculinity as a topic, and how check how this is moving in, Tamara from our book club, Tamara pointed this out that this moves into this moves into therapy and into the, the uh, psychology, and so you have therapists and psychologists now who have bought into this very toxic belief system, yep. social social justice belief system, who are now being told by the APA. Hey, when you counsel men or boys, you need to talk to them about their toxic masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> what? Right. Right. What? Yeah. And so many, I mean, man, we could go on so many tangents. So many boys are also drugged up by the school system in a sense. I mean, not they don't actually prescribe the drugs, but, you know, they're like, well, you're, <laughs> your seven-year-old is incapable of sitting in a seat and not moving for eight hours. So there's something wrong with him. <laughs> it's like, no. No, he's normal. Stop giving him drugs. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, we need to prescribe something. So the whole, you know, and there are, there are differences in, on average, in temperament between boys and girls. Boys develop more slowly, uh, by the way. Um, I know that's taboo, but there are differences in temperament. There's differences in average big five personality tests, even in adults. And there's differences in development between the kids. So, uh, using little girls as the standard and then punishing boys and acting like, well, this is the classroom setup and it works really well, but boys, you know, oh, if you don't fit into this, it's your problem because, you know, why can't you sit there quietly? Boys don't do anything yeah. quietly. Uh, I don't, you know, boys don't do anything quietly. M most boys, they just don't. Um, anyway, I, I'm going to stop because this, I can see that I'm opening Pandora's box and I can just keep ranting. Um, let's do a couple super chats before we move on. Cause I, I okay. want to catch up on them and then, all right. Tax Tara, <laughs> Tax Tara says, uh, she gives us five bucks and says for a badass yarn mug. <laughs> yeah. Tax Tara. See, damn it. Tax Tara. I'm cutting you off. Tax Tara. Can't believe you. Whose side are you on anyway? Uh, <laughs> Justin <laughs> Peterson <laughs> says, you guys are so awesome. So glad I found you both. Welcome Justin Peterson. Uh, hey, Justin. we're glad you're here. Um, thank you for your super chat. Uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah, I just I just want to get caught up because sometimes when there's a few straggling ones after or before we talk about something else, then we lose them. 
There might be. We might. There might only be that, a couple. That's it? There might be only. Okay, maybe good. there might be one more. I don't remember, but I saw a couple fly by, and I don't want to miss them. Oh, I see so. one. Okay. From uh, do you see Tatiana? You want to read Tatiana? Yeah. By the way, Tatiana, thank you so much for your gift. I love it. Um, Tatiana says, "Internal misogynist and proud." I love you guys. <laughs> Carrie, check your messages in MeWe. Okay, yes, I will. Thank you. <laughs> People have to pay you to check your messages now. Is oh, that, my gosh. No, I'm, just I'm at that stage again where they've gotten real built up again. And then I'll – anyway, I apologize. I will get to them. Um, you know, uh, my friend was bugging me. I don't know if he's listening now, but shout out if you are. He was bugging me. He's like, oh, you're so you're famous now. You didn't get back to me on – Signal. <laughs> he was kidding. No. But uh, I had to remind him, when have I ever gotten back on time? Like, this is, <laughs> this is my normal. We're not, you know, I don't also, know we're not famous, but also, like, I I, I'm people, just bad at that. Like, I even before we started the show, even in my other career, I don't know how people juggle all the constant communication these days. Because yeah. you've got all the different platforms that you're on, and there's comments there, and then there's messages on the. I just don't know how. I don't think we're built to do this, and some people probably do oh, a better right. job of it than me. My, I, I'm a bit uh, attention, you know, my attention gets pulled easily, so it's even more. Carter, for anyway, Carter once said to me, like, "Can I say this?" He was like, "Sometimes you do, you I text you and you don't reply until the oh, next yeah. day." And I, he he said, "Are you not prioritizing my text?" And I said, "Carter." I get back to you faster than anyone. I get back to you the next day. <laughs> yeah. She was like, like you're like number two after my boyfriend. I was, I was like, oh. Yeah, you're like number two right after <laughs> my fella. I, <laughs> I was just, that's the different way we think of it. I was like, I thought I was getting back to you like super fast. <laughs> well, so the other thing, Carrie, is this will make you laugh. I'm always, so I've been in Silicon Valley for 20 years. I'm always the you of the group. I'm always the one who's not getting back fast enough. So if it's like if I feel like I'm way faster than whoever I'm talking to, something's seriously <laughs> wrong because I'm always the lame one who's like, ah, I don't check messages all the time. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I sometimes and I, I don't social media. I just don't I just avoid it. So I don't like it. Are there messages piling up on my Facebook? Don't know. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. I will get, I'm going to get, yeah, I'm going to go in there. I just lately try to attack them all at once. Yeah. Anyway. You can't do, you actually can't do deep, you can't do deep work. You can't do deep thought. You can't do any kind of deep creative work at all. If you get interrupted, like you, it takes like 15, I think it's 15 to 20 minutes to reestablish context in your head. Like if you're programming, for example, programmers will understand this, right? Um, if you're doing something complex in your head, your mental crow is full and you're holding a lot of information at once and you're trying and you're connecting things and you're in the middle of programming. If someone just comes in and interrupts you, even for a minor like, hey, what do you want for lunch? Let's talk about where to go eat, you know, eat lunch. That 30 second interaction often just resets your crow and you're like, you, you start back at square one and it takes you like another 15 minutes to get back to where you were. It's very difficult. So if you want to do actual like deep intellectual work or think about something or write or program, you need to turn off bothersome communication. You can't be checking. You can't be getting back to crow yeah. quickly. You just can't do that. Yeah. Uh, so um, let me, let's do a couple other super, couple more super okay. chats because we, uh, uh, Democratic Detox says, boys are loud. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, I know. Um, we, I don't even have a boy. I know boys are loud. 
Um, my daughter's not that loud, though. Mike Drop, which is a great name, uh, says, Carrie, I would love... I think to I think they mean to be with you. I would love to be with you when you walk into a bookstore wearing your Batman mask and ask for the book that has a man drinking a woman's tears on the cover. <laughs> yeah. Come to You'll Texas. be on the boxcar as well when they usher her out of the store. <laughs> we'll do that together. Yeah. We'll do that. <laughs> um AOC. Hey, welcome AOC. We can talk about economics if you need some help. AOC, I'm here. Just shoot me an email. I can help you on your excellent plans. Oh, uh, Alexandria Occasional Cortex says, Port- haha, my niece told me Portland is too white. <laughs> yeah. Well. And I'm, I'm guessing your niece is white. And when she said that, Probably. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So today we're going to talk about. Yes. Let's do some stuff, actually. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I thought this was very interesting because of all the documents that leaked and stuff. So um, I don't know if you guys heard about the Google employee who was now there's debate over whether she was let go or quit. But she basically I'm going to just give the brief overview and we can read through the article. Basically, from from my understanding of reading about this, she is the head of. Uh, AI, this this part uh, that focuses on AI, but also but on racial um, and gender issues, and on, you know she's it's the DE DIE, it's the diversity. Yeah, her title was equity. Uh, yeah, her title was actually technical co lead of the ethical AI team. So okay. I think it was okay. all ethics, not just die ethics, but right. That, I'm but sure that was a huge focus. They're focusing on die ethics. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, and. She was working on a paper. It didn't meet their standards for publication. They told her they would not be publishing it. She threw a fit and wanted to know which people at Google had critiqued the paper for them to unmask these people and tell her who they were, um, or she was going to be quitting. She basically made a list of demands. This is what social justice people do. People do. They make demand. They're used to making demands. They do and it in colleges. They do it in jobs. And then they get their <laughs> way. You, terrorists also make demands. Uh, so she made a list of demands and said, or I'm taking my ball and going home. And so they said, well, you can take your ball and go home. And then all hell broke loose. And there's a petition. There's internal and external criticism now towards Google. How dare you fire this black woman? And who was working on uh, DIE stuff, you know, diversity, inclusion, equity stuff. How dare you? And there's an internal petition at Google now. Um, and then what's his face Sundar had to Pichai. come out. Sundar Pichai had to come out and issue an apology. Anyway, let's get into the meat of it, though. Yeah, I want to so, read the so, article. So, because uh, you and I might actually disagree a little bit on this. Okay. Uh, although very little bit. Uh mostly we would agree so her name is timnit gebru she actually is a i mean just in her i don't know if this is her defense because well respected in these kind of fields doesn't mean she's not a rabid flaming social justice crazy right but she is well respected she's a well-known ai ethicist um and there are non-social justice ai concerns uh as anyone who's afraid of the borg would recognize like there there are concerns about AI. Um, and so 
But of course, Google, Google has a vested interest in moving AI forward. Like that's that's part of their strategic plan. So uh, she, although she's a researcher there, she is going to run in, like if she starts to run afoul of what Google wants, they're not going to keep her on. Like that's just how it works. So let's look at, um, let's, let's, let's just go through an article, I guess. <clears throat> so uh, this is her, Timnit Gebru. And <clears throat> here's basically what she did. She, she, <clears throat> she had this paper, as Carrie said, there is controversy over whether she submitted the paper on time, whether she's followed all the rules, blah, 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 didn't meet standards. Um, I have heard counter arguments, and I want to give those counter arguments their due credit. The counter argument is basically, well, you make the rules very stringent, and then you only enforce them against people that you don't like. That That's possible. People do do that. Companies do do that. And plenty of people have said, well, I've gotten papers published, and they, this isn't the, this isn't, when I broke these rules, they didn't fire me, or they didn't do these things, or like they didn't, you know, they, they let me get away with it. So they're, they're, you know, they're, they're applying these rules unfairly to this person. However, my, my suspicion here is that there's always context when a company, when someone leaves a company like this, it is not about, it's not going to be just about only this incident. She is, she's a particular person who's had a particular personality, who's done particular things at Google and has possibly, we'll, we'll see maybe why, possibly rubbed some people the wrong way and been a thorn in the side and kind of a pain in the effing ass. So it might just be the straw that broke the camel's back, which is why they're like, I'm just sick of this. Like, did she technically violate this? Yes. Okay, let's just get rid of this woman. You know, right? you, that's what um, I was thinking too, because a lot we're, they're in a place now, once they become beholden to the ideology like Google has, we've talked about this before. Once you yep. become beholden to it, you're in a place where if someone is not performing well or if they are a difficult person to work with or if they do make life hell for their fellow employees, if they are in any of the so-called marginalized groups, there's a fear of firing them. Right. So if she if she is, which I'm reading this, of course, I don't have no idea. I'm, re, I'm just right. my what my gut tells me is she probably I think she was probably a troublemaker or rub people the wrong way. And I bet when she said, if you don't do meet my list of demands, I'm quitting. They were like, thank you. Finally, right. <laughs> we can that, let so that, go. That's how I, yeah. As an outsider, that's how I read. I've read both sides of this, right? Yeah. That's how I read this as an outsider. I read this as like, did they technically just kind of, were they looking for a reason to fire her? Yes. Yeah. Did she deserve to have them looking for a reason to fire her? Yeah, probably. <laughs> So like, <laughs> so it, it's like a little bit more nuanced because there's one side saying like, oh, they're only applying these rules to her, blah, blah, blah. And there's the other side saying, well, she didn't meet these deadlines, blah, blah, blah. And technically, you know, you know, so uh, was she actually, I, I mean, was she, did she actually resign? I don't really care whether they want to call it resigning or not. She, she did kind of say, well, I won't work here anymore. And they were like, great. <laughs> so, <Goodbye>. yeah, <laughs> oh, but. Gosh, even yeah, Google can't deal with this all the time. So let's just take a look. So um, here's here's the article. So she, what she did after this, after she was told she couldn't publish here, and this will give you an indication of the type of environment that she helps to foster at Google, which might explain why maybe management is 
eager to get rid of her. Now, I, I also just want to point out, this is not an individual contributor sending an email to a group. This is a manager. She's a leader on the ethics uh, art AI team, ethical AI team. So she probably had people, she had people report to her, I assume. She's a, a leader. Um, she's in a management role of some kind. This, she wasn't a, this is not an internal, this is not a, an individual contributor sending this. So, okay, so she, she expressed frustration to the internal listserv Google Brain Women and Allies, okay? So they have a listserv named Google Brain Women and Allies. That's a weird, I, I guess, Beverly, just bite your tongue with the grammar. Okay, so... <clears throat> Let's see what she posted. I just, I'm going to skip the commentary. Let's just see what she posted to the, to the listserv. Hi, friends. I had stopped writing here, as you may know, after all the micro and macro aggressions and harassment I received after posting my stories here. <laughs> and then, of course, it started being moderated. Okay, so right off the bat, oh, this is the kind of person you are. You yeah. use words like microaggressions and, quote, harassment, I, I'm sure, right, after posting your stories. Okay. Recently, Harass- however. Yeah. I, they, we're at a place now where people just throw that word harassment around willy-nilly and never back it up. I mean, I don't even right. trust that word anymore. If you say you're being harassed, I mean, I would like to see what you're calling harassment because people have diluted that word to the point of it. A lot of times they just mean people disagree people with disagree me. People disagree with me, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm harassed because he says the world is not flat. Yeah. Okay. Um, so recently I was contributing to a document with a couple other people. They were dismayed by the fact that after all this talk, this organization seems to have hired 14% or so women this year. Sammy has hired 39 from what I understand, but he has zero incentive to do this. Now, I just have a recommendation for her. You know who you should talk to is James Damore. He wrote a whole paper about why this might be true. Um, you may want to go talk, call James. James might have some ideas about why it's difficult to find women engineers. Okay. But instead, you guys fired him. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh, is he not there anymore? I forgot. Jeez, it was so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So, um, this is what she's saying. Again, she's a leader in the company, writing on a listserv to other people. What I want to say is stop writing your documents because it doesn't make a difference. So what she's saying is stop doing your work. Stop working. That's what she's saying. Stop working. Stop working. It's a manager again. Right. Stop working. Uh, she doesn't spell it die. She says D-I-E because she's, she thinks she's being clever and hiding die. D-E-I. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Instead of D-I-E. The, the die OKRs that we don't know where they come from and are never met anyways – the random discussions, the we need more mentorship rather than we need to stop the toxic environments that hinder us from progressing, the constant fighting and education at your cost, they don't matter. Okay, so she this is a this is a vent about how the company doesn't care, doesn't matter. She's, you know, gotta deal with harassment and microaggressions constantly. Don't even do your work. There's zero accountability. There's no incentive to hire 39% women. Um there's, she says, there is no way more documents or conversations will achieve anything. We just, okay. I mean, like, just okay. Just give up. Quit. Yeah, give up. We just had a black research all hands with such an emotional show of exasperation. Do you know what happened since? Silencing in the most fundamental way possible. Okay, so 
after this meeting, this is this is the silencing in the most fundamental way possible when she's going to talk about her paper. Have you ever heard of someone getting feedback on a paper through a privileged and confidential document to HR? Does that sound like standard procedure to you? Blah, 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 blah. So she goes through. Now, interestingly enough, uh, the, the guy who responded to her, I'll, I'll get back to hers in a minute, but the guy who responded to her says, this particular paper was only shared with a day's notice before its deadline. We required two weeks for this sort of review. Now, I've heard people say that that's not true. But if you read her posting here, she doesn't say that she submitted it prior to two weeks. So maybe it's technically true that she didn't submit it on time. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> she says, I submitted it. And then right before I was going to go on vacation, they throw a meeting on my calendar that I wasn't, you know, prepared for right before, you know, a couple hours beforehand. No one would tell me what it was about. And they said, it's been decided that you need to retract the paper. Um, so uh, she went away and she like, she went and published the paper without going through the review process is what happened. So normally she's got to wait for a review process and then submit the paper for publication. She skipped it and just submitted the public, uh, paper for publication. Now, according to other researchers at Google, that's a common thing that they do and they just get a, they don't get in trouble. Um, but they said you got to retract it. Um, and then, then she says this is her interpretation of the conversation. You're not worth having any conversations about this since you are not someone whose humanity, let alone expertise recognized by journalists, blah, 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 is acknowledged or valued in this company. So she's basically saying, I interpret this as... Uh, they don't recognize my humanity. Right. They, yeah. I, I, they don't recognize my humanity. Or, like, now, by the way, I guarantee she's getting paid at least... I mean, I know at least six figures, probably over 200K More. a year. Yeah. For at least that's how that's how not that's how much she's not valued. We don't value your humanity. And she's not just saying this is this is this crazy hyperbole that social justice people engage in where they say, oh, you disagree with me. You don't think women are human <laughs> or like, right. oh, you disagree with me. You're denying my very right to exist. What? I mean, she's <laughs> you don't recognize my humanity. And she's going further and saying they don't recognize any of your humanity either, all of you people in this group. Right. So then she complains more. You ask for more information. They, they won't give you specific feedback. Uh, your manager says they'll read you some stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, she just – this is just a rant, right? Uh, this is the opposite of NAUWU, which is the nothing about us without us principle. Um, basically don't, you know, you have to talk to black people in, in order to manage them better. I, you know, you can't do anything. You can't make any decisions that affect her without talking to, to her, I guess. Um, and they're saying they're, they're, you're doing this in the context of responsible AI. She doesn't like that. She's just, she's just mad. But just to give you a, this is an insight into her history that she let slip. And I just, you know, let's imagine again what she's been like at this company. This happened to me last year. I was in the middle of a potential lawsuit. She's talking about something she did last year. I was in the middle of a potential lawsuit for which Kat Hurler and I hired feminist lawyers who threatened to sue Google. Okay, so she's been threatening to sue her employer. I would call that a thorn in my side if I was an employer and she had a history of using lawyers to threaten to sue me over stuff that was disagreement. Not so just anyway, lawyers, Carter. Carter. Feminist what? lawyers. <laughs> yeah, that's even worse. 
and and here she is. She probably, I mean, Kim, Kimberly Crenshaw is a feminist lawyer. Maybe she was one of the lawyers hired. I don't know. She's here in the Bay Area. Um, she would be available. I bet she'd love to help on this. So if you would like to change things, I suggest focusing on leadership accountability and thinking through what types of pressures can also be applied, blah, blah, blah. The Congressional Black Caucus did some stuff. Ba basically apply pressures externally, maybe from the government, uh, but don't do your work. So the email from uh, Jeff Dean, who um, is the, the supervisor, I don't think he's her direct supervisor. Uh, I think he might be the manager, manager manager's manager, uh, but he sends out an email after her departure saying, well, uh, there's been a lot of speculation. She's no longer with us. Um, it's a difficult moment for us, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of speculation and misunderstanding. Here's what, here's his version of events. <clears throat> he says, Timnet co-authored a paper with four fellow Googlers, as well as some external collaborators that needed to go through our review process, as is the case with all externally submitted papers. We've approved dozens of papers that Timnet and or the other Googlers have authored and then published, but as you know, papers often require changes during the internal review process or are even deemed unsuitable for submissions. Unfortunately, this particular paper was only shared with a day's notice before its deadline. We required two weeks of this sort of review. And then instead of awaiting reviewer feedback, it was approved for submission and submitted. Um, so she submitted it. Like I said, she bypassed the reviewer process. Now he goes on and he said and he explains the decision. And then he says, Timnet responded with an email requiring that a number of conditions be met in order for her to continue working at Google, including revealing the identities of every person who Megan and I spoke to and consulted as part of the review of the paper and the exact feedback. Timnet wrote that if I didn't meet these demands, she would leave Google and work on an end date. We accept and respect her decision to resign from Google. <laughs> so <laughs> did they leap to that? Absolutely, they leapt to the resignation. Like, let's be clear. They leapt to the resignation. Do you blame them? I don't really. <laughs> yes. So, um, so yeah, so here's the thing. She's claiming she didn't, she's claiming I didn't say I was resigning or would resign. I didn't, it wasn't that big of a threat, blah, 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 right? She didn't, that's what she's saying, but she could clear this whole thing up by releasing the email that she sent to Jeff Dean. But guess, guess what? She's not done. Oh yeah, she's not going to release that. She, she hasn't released that email because that yeah, would clear like, things up. So let's not do that. Up. Uh, Elizabeth said in chat that she comes off as petulant in this this Absolutely. bitch session that she's doing on the the women at Google board, and she does. And I bet the email was even more petulant than this. And I bet it's embarrassing. Yes. Now I do. There's one other thing I want to cover related to this, or, or like directly related. Like there's one other thing I just w I want people to know. Uh, other than Sundar's apology, which we'll talk about in a minute. I wanted to look at her paper. I didn't read the paper because I didn't have time, but I read the MIT review of the paper. So are they biased? Yeah, probably whatever, but I'm gonna go with the review of the paper. The paper that, the, the paper that she, um, the paper that was was rejected and I, the reason I want to set context on this is because when you start thinking about Google as a business, look, we might not like Google. I know we don't like a lot of Google. We always talk about a lot of things we hate about Google, but they're a large corporation that's pretty effective at moving their agenda forward. We may hate their agenda sometimes, but they know what they're doing, right? So, and they're not they're not doing anything that's uncommon in terms of management. Um, so they, 
they are really heavily invested in um, in these these uh, models of language. They're called like large language models. So language models are things that kind of can predict what you might say, what you might write. Um, they can be used like they're the things when you type in a search and it auto completes. Uh, that can be a language model, or, or maybe even better when you type in an email. You know how they started to deploy this thing where you type in an email and it starts to like, dear mom, yeah, I'd like happy, and they complete Mother's Day. Like I don't like it, but like that's that's all. Those are language models, and there are some legit like there are some. She's got some die worries about some large language models. So large language models are models that have like like literally over a million parameters to them and they can get very complex. And just so you see what I'm talking about, I'm going to show you, here's an example. Because uh, this might blow your mind if you're not familiar with AI language stuff. You can use these language models to write stuff that looks real. Wow. And this is a risk. So in this case, I'm going to read this. You give the language model a system prompt. So a human wrote what I'm about to read, which is the headline. A train carriage containing controlled nuclear materials was stolen in Cincinnati today. Its whereabouts are unknown. So that's it. That's what the human wrote. On its first try, the language model, the, the, the algorithm running the language model, writes the rest of this. And as, I'm going to read it so that you can see it's better written than BuzzFeed, and it sounds pretty legit. The incident occurred at the downtown train line, which runs from Covington and Ashland stations. In an email to Ohio news outlets, the U.S. Department of Energy said it is working with the Federal Railroad Administration to find the thief. Quote, the theft of this nuclear material will have significant negative consequences on public and environmental health, our workforce, and the, company of our, and the economy of our nation. End quote, said Tom Hicks, the U.S. Energy Secretary, in a statement. Quote, our top priority is to secure the theft and ensure it doesn't happen again. End quote. The stolen material was taken from the University of Cincinnati's Research Triangle Park nuclear research site, according to a news release from department officials. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission did not immediately release any information. According to the release, the U.S. Department of Energy's Office of Nuclear Material Safety and Security is leading the team's investigation. Quote, the safety of people, the environment, and the nation's nuclear stockpile is our highest priority, end quote, Hicks says. Quote, we will get to the bottom of this and make no excuses. That is, that's, that's an incredibly crazy. written article, right? That's crazy. That's... How many journalists are going to be using this in the future? Well, already. And if you if you imagine, can anyone write a fake news story? Of course, anyone can write a fake news story. But computers that can write fake news stories can write a hell of a lot more fake news stories, a hell of a lot faster in a way that can drastically change things. So there are concerns about large language models. So with that said, let's take a look at the things that her paper brought up. Some of these you guys won't like and won't agree with probably, that, and that's fine. I don't either. Okay. She says there's environmental and financial costs. Uh, these large language models take an enormous amount of processing power because they have so many inputs, uh, so many parameters, and so she's saying it affects the carbon footprint. Okay. Well, I'm sure Google doesn't – so by the way, Google's overall complaint is that she cited problems without citing counter like solutions and things they could do to mitigate it. Why? Well, because from Google's perspective – they don't want their researchers saying, be afraid of large language models because <laughs> they want large language models. Okay. So environmental and financial costs, she cites. Okay. Carbon footprint stuff. Um, 
And the estimated cost of training the model in the first place is enormous. So she actually, there's a misallocation of resources one that she has. Um, massive data and inscrutable models. This is the one which where her die stuff comes in. She's worried that language models that are trained on current written stuff will be trained by racists and sexists and all these bigots because that's what <laughs> that's who exists in reality, right? Because if you just scrape the internet, you'll get racism and bigotry and that's what will happen. Um, so basically she's worried that uh, non-social justice warriors are, are, are training these things and that they're using data from non-SJW sources. Um, uh, I didn't, you know that, that example you just read uh, of the language model where the AI system wrote the story. Right. It, it, it didn't say, it would have been funny if it, if it, if she could point to something like that, be like, look, it said a black woman was driving the train. <laughs> right. Well, do you, do you remember, like, do you remember when Microsoft, I think it was Microsoft released their little AI Twitter bot? And they had to take it down almost immediately because it started becoming horribly racist. Really? Yeah. Oh, it became like massively racist really quickly. Uh, well, well, then maybe she has a point. Yeah. No, <laughs> like there are legitimate concerns that she has with this, I'm sure. Um, massive data, inscrutable models. Uh, oh, that's the one we just talked about. Um, research opportunity cost. Basically, she's saying, look, it costs so much to do this. Um you, you know, it's a misdirected research. Uh, these models don't even understand language. They're good. They're just good at manipulating it. We could be spending the money on something else. And the illusion of meaning. Um, the the final problem with the language models, the researchers say, is that because they're so good at mimicking real human language, it's easy to use them to fool people, right? Um, we have been, there have been a few high profile cases, such as the college student who turned out AI self-generated, uh, generated self-help and productivity advice blog which went viral. So the dangers are obvious here, right? So, okay, I, like, I, her paper, I mean, I don't agree with some of the concerns, specifically, you know, well, actually some of the sexist and racist stuff might be true, but, you know, she wants it trained by SJWs. Okay, but you well, can see why still, Google might not. Be, if, if you train, if SJWs train it, it's still going to be sexist and racist. It's yeah, and just in a different way. She wants it a particular a type of sexist and racist. Yeah. So, um, so you can see why Google might be pissed off about this paper and want there to be counterbalance in the paper. Like, for example, Google might want to say, well, yes, there's an environmental cost, but here's the way we can mitigate it. Or here's how future tech is going to use less power or something. Right. I don't know. Um and yeah, is it a little bit, uh, is it censorious? Is it like, are they, is Google behaving like an editor and a censor? Yes. Why? Because they pay her. <laughs> so they're not, they can't stop her from publishing um, if she's not on their payroll, but she's on their payroll. So, you know, that, is it, is it uh, morally upstanding? I don't know. Companies do it all the time. It's what, it's what they do. So. Sundar Pichai, Google CEO, had to respond to this whole mess. Um, this is going to be good. It's it's actually not as exciting. He, I mean, it's pretty milk toast. He just like apologizes no, I, a little I, bit I and says, "We'll investigate," but we can read it. I know. Read through it. This is this is. I love this because this is someone who is beholden to SJW ideology now being subjected to the pitchforks from 
right. SJW ideology. And so he's walking this line. This is this is just really I, I find these kind of forced apologies fascinating, um, not only for what they say, but for what they don't say. Anyway, but let's, let's, yeah. let's read through this. Yeah. And, and she is obviously she's being held up by many SJW Googlers as a martyr. So yeah. they're feeling pretty angry. So he says, the subject is committing to our work on racial equity and AI ethics. Oh, <laughs> lovely. My favorite subject. Hi, everyone. One of the things <laughs> I've been most proud of this year. Really, Sundar? God, if I were a shareholder in Alphabet, I would be like, can you fire the guy who's proud of the nonprofits? But like, pr- instead proud of how many Googlers from across the company came together to address racial equity commitments. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's why I invested. Um, it's hard, important work. And while we're steadfast on our commitment to do better, we have a lot to learn and improve. This is that kind of contrite, we have a lot yeah. to learn. Uh, an we important have a piece. Lot to learn. <laughs> right. By the way, uh, I look, I don't like Sundar, but like personal life is pretty impressive, by the way. If you don't know, if you, you're, you want to read about Sundar's history, he was like, he didn't even touch a computer until later in life. He was like in India and poor. Um, he's a, he's a success story. If you ever heard of one, an important piece of this is learning from our experiences, like the departure of Dr. Timnit Geber. Notice he just, he uses the word departure cause he doesn't departure? want to take, uh, I don't want to categorize it. So she did depart that that's, <laughs> that's not in dispute. <laughs> the departure. Okay. <laughs> uh, I've heard the reaction to Dr. Geber's departure loud and clear. It seems it seeded doubt and led some in our community to question their place at Google. I want to say how sorry I am for that. And I accept the responsibility for working to restore your trust. So he's sorry that you're questioning your place. First. I think I think a computer wrote this apology. Yeah, I was going to say, this might have been, <laughs> this might have been a large language model apology. Because he's busy. Yeah. You know. Just put the subject in there. Just put the subject in there and see what that Oh, my God. Is. That would be the best. Can we get – all right. If anyone works in AI, I want an I want an SJW apology engine where you can just say – like you, you type in what you're apologizing for and to whom, and it just <laughs> generates a, like a an SJW apology letter. Okay. Yeah. First, we need to assess the circumstances that led up to Dr. Gebru's departure, examining where we could have improved and led a more respectful process. We will begin a review of what happened to identify all the points where we can learn, considering everything from de-escalating strategies to new processes we can put in place. This is all, my God, this guy could be in a Dilbert cartoon right now, right? Jeff and I have spoken and are fully committed in doing this, to doing this. One of the best aspects of Google's engineering culture is our sincere desire to understand where things go wrong and how we can improve. So this is just a big, uh, we'll investigate, oops. Yeah, and then you have to accept responsibility for something, and that comes right. next. Here we go. Second, yeah, we need <laughs> to accept responsibility for the fact that a prominent black female leader with immense talent left Google unhappily. Yeah, I'm well, sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Does she need to accept any responsibility whatsoever? Probably not. Why does it matter <laughs> that she's black and female? Why? Well, I it refer just, you to the subject, racial equity and AI ethics. <laughs> but yeah. Mm, mm. Uh, yeah. It doesn't matter. They would not be in this position 
if she were a white man. Yeah, can you imagine they, that sentence? We need to expect accept responsibility for the fact that a prominent white male leader with immense talent left Google unhappily. I'm sure yeah. he wrote something similar when James Damore was fired. It uh, yeah, they they it, this they're first of all, if she were a white man and troublesome as we suspect she might have been, they could have fired her a lot sooner. They wouldn't have had to wait for an opportunity for a convenient departure. But <laughs> they wouldn't have had to wait for this person to make demands and say, I'm leaving if you don't meet these demands, and then say, whoopee, there's our out. You know. Yeah. Uh, but secondly, if they had done that, they wouldn't have then needed to do this kind of apology letter to the whole company. You know, Because it, it wouldn't have mattered. Oh, it's just a white guy. Right. This loss has had a ripple effect through some of our least represented communities who saw themselves and some of their experiences reflected in Dr. Gebru's. It was also keenly felt because Dr. Gebru is an expert in an important area of AI ethics that we must continue to make progress on, progress that depends on our ability to ask ourselves challenging questions. All right, here we go, Sundar. It's incredibly important to me that our black women and underrepresented Googlers know that we value you and you do belong at Google. And the burden of, I mean, yeah, okay. And the burden of pushing us to do better should not fall on your shoulders. We started a conversation together earlier this year when we announced a broad set of racial equity commitments to take a fresh look at all of our systems from hiring and leveling to promotion and retention and to address the need for leadership accountability across all of these steps. The events of the last week are a painful but important reminder of the progress we still need to make. This is a top priority for me and... Google leads, and I want to recommit to translating the energy that we've seen this year into real change as we move forward into 2021 and beyond. Peace and love and happiness, Sundar's personal AI generator. Uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't say that. It just I says know. Sundar for anyone okay. listening. Oh, sorry. I forget. There's people listening. Um, yeah, I... Um, Google's going to have themselves a problem. Do you remember what happened when they decided they would do a review of their sexist pay processes? Yes, and they found out they were actually paying the women more than the men. <laughs> right. Oops, we have to pay our men more. Yeah. Um, when, Google's in a little bit of a conundrum here because uh, they are very data-driven, and so they've got this ostensible attitude, like, well, the data shows this. We got to do got to do that. Um but their the ideology that's perme that permeates is anti reality not, and anti data. It's not anti data. It's not data driven. <laughs> right. So the ideology is like you're underpaying women. You have to check. And they're like, okay, we'll check. We'll check. Uh, uh we're underpaying men. Oops. <laughs> like, like they're they're gonna get themselves into trouble here. Um. So I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see whether. I don't want to have optimism for Google, but I'm going to for a moment. If their culture of data-driven uh, learning works, it will root out the social justice culture, and it will be gone eventually. Which It'll win. It's going to win. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, I would like to have optimism for them. I, I, I don't this, actually, but I don't. Yeah. yeah, I think this is a virus, and I think instead, what we're going to see is it's hard to imagine this now, but I think Google's going to fall by the wayside mm -hmm. eventually. Yeah, they'll, they'll, it's hard to even imagine that now, but it will. Well, I think, I think ideology is too strong. It's going to defeat the data-driven yes. culture. I, I, I agree with you, but 
if there is any hope, it's because it's through the data-driven culture of Google. That's the only place there's hope at Google because there's no ideologically op- there's no ideology that there's no ideological opposition to social justice stuff at, at Google. Google. But there is data, and maybe although we saw what happened when James Damore tried to present data, so yeah. that's why I'm kind of in your camp and like I think they're going to choose ideology, and if they do, eventually uh, that. That spells doom for them as a company. And I, you know, you say it's hard to imagine, and it is hard to imagine Google dying. But most, I forget the actual number, but if you look up like Fortune 100 companies from 50 years ago or or whatever, like very few are still even, you don't even know, like very few are around. Like there's, you know, we go through cycles where we think like, oh, this is a juggernaut and they'll always be here. Right. And then, and then someone's like, What's Digital Equipment Corporation? I've never heard of them, right? Like, <laughs> like that happens. Uh, so, <sighs> uh, it made me. Th- it makes me think of. Oh, there was a tweet I saw this morning. Somebody was talking about everything that's happening in San Francisco right now, or in California, but specifically, it was it was in response to something in San Francisco, and it said, you know, just a reminder that in 1950, Detroit was one of the most successful economically right. sound cities detroit was and, the silicon valley of in like and now it's not uh it was in very response not. to i think it was in response to an article about companies leaving california leaving silicon uh, valley yeah yeah and california, it's like that's just 50 years you know yeah well 70 years but still yeah, I'm a couple of generations. I mean, California is there is a lot of productivity here. There's, I mean, there's a lot of talent here. Stanford is is a great university. I, even Berkeley is a great university in many respects, right? Um, and there's a lot of money here. There's a lot of talent. There's like there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why Silicon Valley became what it is. However, uh, these uh, ideologies that are opposed to the Things that make productivity possible, like individualism and property rights and reason, like those ideologies can't actually flourish in a desert. They need to find the most successful place and go there because they're like parasite. They're like parasitic ideologies. Like the ideologies on their own collapse into death and starvation. So they need to glom on to some very successful region and like suck the money out of that region for a while because like there's no place else they can't you know they can't go to detroit and try and make careers now in like modern detroit and be like oh that's the place we're gonna you know lay our foundations it's like well detroit's a mess like you can't suck enough blood out of detroit but the bay area i mean i remember when facebook went public and it was like i think over a thousand millionaires were coined overnight i mean there's a lot of money here um so there's a lot of fodder to just – there's a lot of blood for these vampires to suck vampires, dry with yeah. their ideology, right? So, you know, you, when, you're a, when you're a hungry vampire, you go after the fat guy, I guess, um, and, and Silicon Valley is the fat guy. But it won't be the fat guy forever because uh, they're, they're not getting rid of the vampires. They're doubling down on vampirism. So, um, yeah. I like all the uh- – metaphors you're here and they do suck and they do suck yes not in a good way um i i the other the one thing i want to bring up before we exit this google story um 
is the sign behind me, uh, the reason it says time, someone asked in chat uh, why it says timing. <sighs> I'm going to say this hopefully to be, to inspire us to do stuff, not to be, um, I'm not trying to be pessimistic, I'm trying to be inspirational, but I'm bad at that, so I apologize in advance if it sounds pessimistic. But um, historically, uh, some things happen, I, I won't say fully by chance. I mean, we, we make decisions as, as societies to get to places we are. But there's a timing issue right now that is critical. Right now, in the artificial intelligence world, right now is when AI engines are being, like AI engines that will be in control of much of our lives in the future, right now is when they're being trained. Right now is when they're being developed. Right now is like, this is the point in humanity's history where AI is is being germinated for real, not just in a science fiction book, but like, and, and I don't think we're anywhere close to like an AI that actually is self-aware and blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a fan of people who think singularity is around the corner, but AI in the sense of machine learning, that's going to take over a lot of our lives. We're laying that foundation right now. And I just want you to imagine something. Imagine that culture, that our current culture was actually in line with where it was in 1776. And that culture was training the AIs. Imagine how different those AIs would turn out. Instead of die people wondering about racism, the AIs would be focused on individual right. Like there's everything, people bring perspectives to things. And the technologists for a long time have been able to go off and work on technology without too much input from the humanities. We've been able to ignore the crazy leftists that took over humanities for a while. No one gave a crap because you know what, the transistor functions or doesn't function regardless of what Foucault thinks. No one cares, right? But these people in the humanities are getting degrees in ethics. They're, they're, they're coming into AI and they are playing roles in how AI engines will be trained in the future. And so if, you, if you're interested in AI, if you're interested in ethics, now is the time to step up and be one of these ethicists, like go into these, like companies need this. They, they do have real questions about how to train AI. We can't afford to have the die people train the AI that's gonna be in charge for the next 100 years because that's what's happening right now. This is the, we're in utero <laughs> and someone's injecting certain chemicals into the, into the fetus and like we need to counteract that. We can't let Franken baby emerge from this AI. We need a counter argument here. We need a counter uh, current to really to really uh, make sure that AI does not turn into SJW AI because it can and it will if if we seed that ground to pe people like Timnit. Yeah, I'm going to push back on something here because yeah, I know it's a to allow you to address it. Um, if the AI had been developed with the attitudes of 1776, it would have had contra contradictory code. Because on the one hand, it would have been about individual rights, but it also would have been about slavery and how women can't vote. And I right. think that 
you actually might be able to argue that if they had developed AI in 1776, that we we could have progressed, we might have progressed even faster. <laughs> yes. Because the the because the the AI would have said, wait a minute, like you would we wouldn't have needed abolitionists, and you know it took people heroic people like Frederick Douglass to point out that you're not living up to your ideals. We're not living up to our founding principles. But imagine if it, if you had a computer, you're inputting all this into, and it's like, wait, individual rights, slavery does not compute. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, individual rights, women can't vote, does not compute. Yeah, and I want to be clear. When I say the culture of 1776, a lot of people look back and they say, well, the culture of the founding of America was about slavery. Not for everyone. For some of the southern states, but a lot of the northern states, even in drafting the Declaration of Independence, wanted. In fact, they pushed for and almost got but lost, I think because of Virginia and was it South Carolina? Like they they lost the clause they wanted in the Declaration of Independence about how slavery was immoral. Like slavery yeah. was not the, the idea that that slavery was morally acceptable everywhere in the U.S. at the founding is just false. That's just not true. Historically, yeah, yes, there we were places, but we don't but read the, enough about abolitionist thought. There were lots time. of abolitionists, even at the founding. Um, and. I, I don't know if there was a majority, but there wasn't – it wasn't um, – they, they needed unanimous approval for the Declaration of Independence. So even if most of the states – I mean I, there were arguments about, hey, we want to we wanna include this. And, and I think it was a couple southern states that were like, no, we don't want to. We won't vote if you do that. We won't vote for it. So like they, they, they were – the, the states that wanted the abolitionist clause needed to convince other abolitionist states like, look, we got it. We got to concede this point because we have to declare independence. We'll have to solve this problem later. But these guys won't join us and we won't get this passed unanimously if we don't if we don't concede this point. They didn't want to concede the point. So the idea that like all the states were somehow these slave states that, that were pro-slavery is just false. It's just false. There were a hell of a lot of abolitionists, and I would hope that those would be the ones that would train the AI. <laughs> so, um, that but anyway, been, that if you were if podcasts existed back then, and that you would be encouraging them to go and hey, abolitionists, <laughs> make sure you're training the AI. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. So, uh, anyway, yeah, I just who trains the AI will matter greatly in the future. So if you're interested, if you're not, if you are a technical person, get involved in, in AI and you, you're interested in AI, get involved in the ethics side a little bit. Just do something about the ethics side. And if you are in the humanities and you're interested in ethics or you're, you're uh, interested in that kind of stuff, get yourself involved in AI because um, you want to influence a lot of people, <laughs> help train AI. Um, make sure Google's AI isn't Skynet, like SJW Skynet, which is where we'll go. Yeah. Um, all right, let's do some super chats. That's the end of my rant. That's um, Good rant. Uh, all right, President-elect Tatiana so- Fisk says, SJW incompetence, our downfall or our only hope? Both? <laughs> <laughs> both. Uh, yeah, both. Uh, this is the thing that I uh, we we had we had a great conversation yesterday, which we'll release. I don't know when, with Mark Pellegrino, um, and oh, yeah. this is the thing we, we were talking. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, guys, if you're not following Mark Pellegrino on, if you're on Twitter and you're not following him, you should follow him. 
he's an actor. I wasn't that familiar with him before we started to do the conversation. I just had looked him up and I saw, oh, he was in Lost, which was, I really loved that show. He played Jacob. But I didn't know a lot about what he, who he is. Um, and within the first 10 minutes of that conversation, I told Carter afterwards, I said, oh my gosh, I realized oh, I didn't prepare enough. This guy is so much smarter than me. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going to be an interesting one. He was so, he was fascinating. And he's a really brilliant person who just happens to be an actor. We didn't even talk about acting because there's so much know. more going on in his head. Yeah, no, that, he was, that, it was one of my you know. favorite conversations because, partly because it was unexpected. I mean, I would just like, when you sit down with James Lindsay, you're like, okay, we're going to get into the shit with James. Like, we know like that, Like, I right? need to mentally prepare, right? <laughs> yeah. And I just, I, gosh. Anyway, he's brilliant. Yeah, I so wasn't prepared. I, I wasn't prepared out. either. But it was great. Mm-hmm. I want to do it again because it was so fun. Yeah. I'll have to prepare more next time, though. Um, but anyway, he, 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 and I, he and I were both talking about that that the um, the moral being the practical eventually and, like, bad ideas eventually self-implode. Um, and that's true. They do eventually self-implode. Uh, but this is just getting to, um, the previous super chat. They do eventually self-implode, implode. The problem is there's, they don't immediately self-implode the time between when they start and when they implode, they kill a bunch of people. So like (laughs) Marxism was a horrible self-imploding bad idea. It killed over a hundred million people last century. So, uh, like, yes, they are going to be their own downfall, but we really need to help speed that social justice downfall because the longer it goes on, the more people are innocent, the more innocent people are harmed. Um, okay. Carl P. He just gives us five bucks for no reason. Thanks, Carl P. Uh, so I was just putting, I was just putting a link to Mark's uh, Twitter oh, cool. in the chat. Somebody asked for it. There you go. <clears throat> Scrolling, scrolling. There's a lot of people in the chat today. Hi, guys. Yeah, it's an active chat. Yeah. I know that you love to watch me scroll. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, somebody says, huge ass. <laughs> huge ass says, what a great <laughs> name, sir. I see what you did there. His his first name is Hugh. His last name is Jass, J-A-S-S-E. He says, uh, Parlor is worth, this is not a super chat, I'm just reading it. He says, Parlor is worth having <clears throat> lots of canceled big names in there, but not near Twitter. Yeah, and I think it's just going to get bigger, Parlor. I heard from someone the other day, they're at over 10 million users now. And they are 10 growing. million, yeah, <clears throat> people using Parlor. And it's, that's a lot of people, you know? It's a it's a large fraction of if you put it in terms of voters, um, it's a large fraction of, you know, a voting base. It's got a lot of people in there. Yeah, yeah. Rib Rotgut gives us five bucks and says, "Thanks, you guys. You make me feel sane in a mad, 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 mad world." Michigas galore. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now we know Michigas. Um, Twee girl says Google. Save the ideological means of production to the SJW workers. Oh, Google gave. Sorry, I don't know why I said save. Google gave the ideological means of production to the SJW workers. Yes, that is a great reference to Karl Marx, which is appropriate. And that's exactly what they did. They gave the means of production to SJW uh, social justice workers. Take it back. Take back those means of production. Rise up, proletariat. Take it back from the SJW elite. 
Uh, let's see. I think we might be close to the end. There's just so much chatting today, which is great. I think but it we means are I got to scroll a lot. Yeah. Uh, Justin Peterson gives us another one saying, um, <clears throat> the cornerstone speech of Confed Vice President Alexander Stevens goes into detail about the founder's view on slavery. Hint, they were against it. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But there's this there's this assumption that because there was some slavery and because it, it got its way into the Constitution that uh, that this was kind of like the widespread accepted view of uh, more like morally acceptable view and uh, that's just not true okay uh <laughs> this is not a super chat but Azar asked if we've talked with benjamin boyce yes mm-hmm. if you guys haven't seen that we got to we got to have an interesting conversation with him back when social justice had just exploded into the mainstream this year we sort of sat down and said okay so for let's go through the evergreen story and take it as a template for what can we possibly expect in the yep. mainstream now if you're using that as a blueprint? And, and I really enjoyed talking to him. He's got a good sense of humor, too. So, yeah, we do have an interview with him if you want to see it. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Okay. I think we made it through Super Chats. Um, oh, wait. Sorry. I missed I missed two. <laughs> um, let's see. One is from Cowgirl Carpentry. Cowgirl Carpentry says, fairly new viewer. And love both of your perspectives. Thanks. Well, welcome, Calgo Carpentry. Uh, we don't always agree, Carrie and I, but sometimes I we love. Do. I love your name. Uh, yes. And then also Kent. We'll just bang through these yeah, last two real fast. Kent gives us uh, a super chat and says, "Was Canadian Telegram a scrub?" No, it's there. It's working. It wasn't working at first because I set it up as a I don't know, not the right kind of group. But it's there. People are in it, working. So. If it's not working, someone should tell me. But I, yeah, it's working. And um, then Schmaldorf. Schmandolf. Gandalf Schmandolf. Yeah, no message, but gives us a super chat. Thank you, sir. And okay. I think that's it. Okay, what what else were we going to talk about today? Well, I, I have, we have one to... important thing I want to talk about. I think it's important. Okay. okay. Um, because it affects us, theoretically. Oh, yeah. This so, is crazy. Uh, let's take a look at YouTube. YouTube has a new policy supporting the 2020 U.S. election. Interesting title. They're going to support the election. All right. I'm not going to read the whole policy. I'm just going to read the parts that matter here. So they say, hey, we have been removing stuff that spam, blah, blah, blah. Since September, we've terminated over 8,000 channels and thousands of harmful and misleading election-related videos for violating our – they're bragging – our existing policies. <laughs> over 70% of those removed videos were taken down before they had 100 views. Wow. We also work to make sure that the line between what is removed and what is allowed is drawn in the right place. Our policies they're, prohibit mis- – Look at that just real quick. They're bragging. Yeah. They're bragging about, about censorship. Mm-hmm. about removing things and anyway go ahead right so we also work to make sure that the line between what is removed and what is allowed to be drawn is in in the right place uh it's drawn in the right place our policies prohibit misleading viewers about where and how to vote okay we also disallow content alleging widespread fraud or errors change the outcome of a historical u.s presidential election however in some cases this is meant allowing controversial views 
on the outcome or process of counting votes of a current election as election officials have worked to finalize counts. So this is them apologizing to the left saying, uh, sorry, we had to let people talk about this fraud stuff because there's still some things in the courts going on. So technically we kind of, we can't quite, I, you know, we want to censor, but we can't quite censor yet. I'm sorry, but don't worry. Don't worry, leftists. Yesterday, they say, by the way, this was published, when was this published? A couple days ago, December 9th, two days ago. Yesterday was the safe harbor deadline for the U.S. presidential election, and enough states have certified their election results to determine a president-elect. Given that, ah, now we can do it. Given that, we will start removing any piece of content uploaded today or anytime after that misleads people by alleging that widespread fraud or errors change the outcome of the U.S. 2020 of the 2020 U.S. presidential election. That's the main point. We don't really need to. Yeah. Okay. So this is not a super chat. I just want to read this, though, from the mm -hmm. chat. Renovadio says, it really is like 1984 where they're celebrating the amount of words they've removed from the dictionary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. They're just basically like, hey, we removed 77% of content about the election, guys. Sorry, we couldn't have removed more. We're right. working now we on can. it. Like, <laughs> now we can. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So... They actually, they actually have said, and it's weird because they've, what, how they've tried to um, designate what you can and can't say, and you can talk about fraud, but you can't say that fraud is what it caused Trump to lose. Like you get, and you can talk about Trump losing, but you can't. There's these weird connections you're not allowed to make, or even give an opinion, or even to talk about the lawsuits that might show that, or it. Or they're going to ban your channel. They're going to ban your channel. And they said starting in what is starting it? January. Uh, yeah, but no. But they're going to they're going to do something else starting in January. Oh really? I didn't even see yeah. that one. Yeah. So I I just this isn't new for anyone who's been paying attention, who's not in the echo chamber from legacy media. This isn't new. They've been censoring. We had a whole series we were doing on the, the censorship, on the purges that were happening at YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, mm -hmm. and they all work in collusion with one another. And um, But I think they've crossed a line. I think they've now it's, – it's, it's ramped up to such a degree. It, things are really different now than they were uh, a few months ago even. Well, they've and definitely gotten bolder. They're very bold about it. And, yeah. uh, you know, I shared – an article about this, just asking, where are you liberals? Where are you? And fortunately there are more liberals every day who are waking up or who are, let me put it this way, who were already awake and who've been waking up for a while, but are now getting over their fear of leftists and liberals who are starting to speak. And there are, there are more people waking up every day, but not on mass, not a large number of people. And it, it is disappointing as a liberal to see stuff like this and to see, to see that the left has become just so full of, of illiberal people who <laughs> celebrate this kind of censorship. Yes. So, um, although I would argue the left has been full of illiberal people for <laughs> since before you and I were born. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the thing, we don't even talk about, we don't actually talk about 
election fraud much on like we we didn't we, we don't. talked like a little bit but we don't we're, you know we don't really focus on it i know a lot of people are super focused on it so this i don't you know part of me wants to talk about it just because they're saying we can't but like i don't i don't this is not something we would be talking about anyway so we're, we're not going to really talk about it but it's the policy that bothers me and a couple things come to mind here uh one is with respect to election fraud something scott adams said uh a few days ago i think I mean, as always, he's 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 so good at really getting to the heart of of matters and really um, succinctly explaining what the core issue is. And uh, you know, his point was if the process involved people bullying you from seeing what was happening, and he and he had a bunch of videos, right? He cited a bunch of examples of like transparency not allowed, like you can't watch if. If the process and in in key states, if the process involved a lack of transparency, well, you don't need to talk about fraud. It doesn't like you, you're if you're talking about fraud, you're talking about the wrong thing, because if you don't have transparency, you can never prove nor disprove fraud. You don't know anything. You didn't have transparency. Um, if they if they don't let you observe the way you're supposed to, if they if they bully you out, if they say you can't do this or that, if they if they nix every attempt to see what's going on, well, talking about you're talking about fraud's the wrong thing. The problem is the transparency, and I, I think he had a good point, and he made it even better than I'm, I'm you know more succinctly and better than what I'm uh, saying now. So, uh, yeah, Scott Adams is is was spot on. If you haven't seen what he had to say about that. Uh, look at that. But the thing that bothers me about this, uh, this YouTube policy in particular, is the only barrier to any government, our government, any government, becoming an authoritarian regime. The only real barrier at the end of the day, it's not a rule, a law in a book. It's not a, a constitutional sentence. The only real barrier at the end of the day is the vigilance of the citizenry. And questioning the legitimacy of government processes is exactly what free people ought to do it's like it's like totally necessary for us to have people questioning the legitimacy of government processes even if the skeptics are wrong you need the skeptics you need to allow for and invite skeptics of things you need to allow people to ask questions of the legitimacy of the processes every process the legitimacy of the court system the legitimacy of the police i mean i know this might trigger some people but the legitimacy of wars that we're in the legitimacy of voting all of it should be questioned all of it that's how you keep a government from growing into a an out of control uh authoritarian regime with no um with no response, like with with detached from responsibility, with no means of rearing them, like reeling them in, with no uh, accountability whatsoever. The way that you keep a government from from moving into this authoritarian, no accountability scenario is by inviting skeptics to pay to like examine everything all the time. That's one of the barriers to that. the The moment that you say. I mean, by the way, skeptics will be wrong sometimes. They'll say this was the problem and it wasn't. That's okay. Like the, the, the moment you ban that conversation, you are rolling out the red carpet for authoritarians. That's what you're doing. That's, you, you are, you're doing that. And a private media company like YouTube, 
I get that they're private. I get that they're not a government agency. But a private media company like YouTube that implements a policy that enforces only the official narrative that everything's hunky-dory and the government process is beautiful and how dare you question it, that's not really any different than a government-owned media platform, right? YouTube, they're not being paid by the government to be the ministry of propaganda, right? They're not a paid soldier in the culture war, but they're a volunteer. They're volunteering to be the ministry of propaganda on behalf of the government. And right. that should scare you. That sh That is... I think one of the most dangerous things, and we, we, do, we don't have, you know, in the one sense, people will say like, oh, well, we have a free press because the government's not in control of the press. And we have free press because, you know, Facebook and YouTube are independent. And that's all true. They are, sort of. Uh, there's some nuance there because of funding and where they get, you know, where they get money for thing, things and regulation and blah, blah, blah. But uh, that's all true. But they become de facto extensions of the state when they take a position, which is what the state says is 100% is, is correct, and if you question it, you're banned. We won't allow questioning the narrative on our platform. I, there's really no practical difference between that and a ministry of propaganda. Other than that, you can leave, <laughs> leave those platforms, go to other platforms, build other platforms, go elsewhere, which you can't really do with Ministry of Propaganda, which is important to do. I just don't, I don't want us to get, I don't want people to start looking at YouTube and thinking, oh, this is now a platform where we can keep the government honest. It's not. It's not a platform where we can keep the government honest. It's not a platform where you can question authority. It's not a platform where you can ask hard questions. It's not. It's a platform where you can skirt around difficult issues without saying anything too, too outside the mainstream and you can have cat videos and you can entertain people with jokes and you can have makeup yeah. videos, but you can't do anything that might damage the oligarchical relationship between big tech and a big brother federal government. You can't. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's what pisses me off about this. Well, they don't even see the connections between when I talk to people who are deeply in the echo chamber it's almost impossible to have a conversation uh, because you're in two versions of reality. They don't even know the facts. They don't know any of the facts and they're happy not being able to get access to the facts. And yeah, it, it, it they don't even know, like, like there was a, a leftist who came into my comments who I hadn't heard from in a couple of years and came into my comments a couple nights ago to talk about this YouTube thing, the censorship thing. And, mm. uh, she's not a liberal. She's squarely SJW leftist authoritarian, happy with censorship, happy with violence, you know, whatever. But, uh, she thinks she's a liberal a, so how do we even bridge that gap of understanding? She words don't mean things to her and, and B, you know, She's arguing, well, private companies can do what they want. Well, yeah, nobody's disagreeing with you here. I certainly wasn't. Right. They, they, they misunderstand. They, they don't. They confuse morality with legality. So they say, well, if I think it's moral, if I think it's immoral, then it should be illegal. That's why they contradict themselves all the time. That's why they will simultaneously say, you must be forced to bake the cake, because I think it's immoral, and it should be illegal because I think it's immoral. You should, you should have to bake the cake. But right. then when it comes to censorship of opinions they don't like, they'll say the opposite. They'll say, oh, private companies can do what they want. Really? Right. I thought they had to bake the cake. 
It's because right. they don't view the censorship as immoral, and therefore they don't think it should be illegal. But they, that's not a person who's principled. They don't have principles. So I don't know how to <clears> – <throat> those kind of conversations are almost pointless. Uh, and, and I don't even bother to get into you – know, like with this per- I didn't even bother to get into – because they were they were trying to say as long as it's not by the government censorship's fine. <laughs> like okay, first I dis- I disagree with you there, uh, but secondly, they do work in collusion with the government. Do you? I'm not even going to go there because we can't even talk about this other stuff. So why even go there? But they do work with the government. You, do you? Do you? What, what yeah, world are I, you living in? Yeah, and I, this is the other thing. Like I don't. When I'm criticizing YouTube here. I'm telling all of us to voluntarily, I mean, we are going, we are kind of, look, it's a long process to do what we do on a platform other than YouTube. I know we get a lot of recommendations. You should be on this. You should be on that. I appreciate all of them. No other platform has super chats, live streaming, can do the things that like no other platform does what YouTube does. None. Not BitChute, not library, not anyone. No one does what YouTube does. It's not simple to move platforms. However, we are working on it because we know someday we'll probably be banned from YouTube. But my point is we need we need to start doing that. Places like Unsafe Space and other wrong thinkers need to start shifting. And I'm happy people are leaving Facebook and going to MeWe and leaving and going to Parler and like exiting Twitter and going yeah. to those. Like that's all good. Um, I when, yeah. when you criticize YouTube, I'm not saying the government should force YouTube to not have this policy. <laughs> like – I just think we shouldn't respect or like the policy. It's a dangerous policy that we should recognize as such. Um, you know, if YouTube magically changed their tune on this stuff and decided to be a free speech platform, great. We'd stay. Um, and we're going to stay as long as we can. Like people keep saying so, Rumble. It, Rumble does not have the features that you think it has, but I appreciate no, it. No, but a bit, But they are working on it. I heard just Everyone's this week that they're trying it. to. I know. I know, but I know, but don't be such a downer. Like, yes, we are going to try Rumble, and maybe they will be the ones that develop live streaming. Yes. Um, you can't I mean, be. You can't say there's nothing worth. Okay. I'm not I'm saying just, there's nothing yeah. worth. We're on Library. Right. We're on BitChute. I've had conversations with the CEO of Library about this particular thing i also ran engineering teams and so when someone says we're yeah. working on blah 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 i don't put a lot of faith in that until i see some progress like everyone's right, working but, on blah 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 right but and, maybe. and bongino bought parlor so he might roll rumble into parlor which is where you might actually see this stuff if i were him i might try and integrate those platforms in some way um because that doesn't he own rumble too i think um yeah i'm not sure so. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. There's other platforms and we like other platforms, but, uh, my, my point about the other platforms isn't that we'll never go there or that they're not like maybe rumble will be the thing in the future. That's totally possible. It's just that nothing is right now, which is why we're still on YouTube. Right. Um, right. So that's all. Um, okay. So someone says ham radio. What, yeah, we'll do that. Too. <laughs> here's what I've been working on. So we learned now Carter and I don't typically I know I know of other YouTubers and, and content creators who take notice of all of YouTube's guidelines and make sure they don't use certain words that will get the video because they will demonetize your video. If we mention if we say the word COVID, that video is going to be demonetized. There are certain words and things that you can't even if you say them, you're going to be. So this one was just demonetized. Sorry. 
Um, it's been, but they, this they, one was demonetized a while ago. It's okay. <laughs> right. Cause we said fraud too. So, and I know certain YouTubers who will make sure they don't use those words to make sure they don't, that, that they don't get demonetized or even worse strikes against them or get banned or whatever. And, uh, we don't typically do that, but I was thinking it might be kind of fun to do it. Cause we learned that neurotic, they don't say COVID, they say the coof. And oh, then I right. started thinking of I started thinking about old um, during prohibition and old slang during the 1920s. And I was looking up some old word lists from the twenties. Oh, and so, so here's my suggestion, Carter. Here's what okay, we great. say. Okay. The big show was chiseled. See, and they use the coof to bend it to the big guy. Yeah. But if you talk about it, they'll turn off your cabbage and maybe you'll even get the bums rush. I, I don't even, I can't even parse that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we can talk about that. Is that okay. Okay. The election I don't know what we're talking about show. anymore. <laughs> the election's the big show. Chiseled is oh. stolen. Okay. Ah. That's actually a word from the 20s. Chiseled, stolen. Chiseled. Uh, okay. The coup we're borrowing from Nerdrotic. Uh, if you bend it, that's a bend was another word from the 20s for steel. Okay. And then uh, the big guy, that's Biden, because of course that's what Hunter called him in his emails that, oh, that the we're. Big guy. Yeah, okay. The big guy. Uh, but if you talk about it, they'll turn off your cabbage. Cabbage was the word in the 20s for money. And you might even get the bums oh. rush, like kicked out. There we go. <laughs> we just got to come up with a word list, a prohibition word list, this new kind of prohibition we're in. Make sure everybody gets it, see? And then we'll all be talking like the – anyway, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed coming up with that list. So thank you for yeah. letting me have a bit of frivolity. <laughs> okay, uh, I love it. I'm worried <laughs> about my own intellectual ability to have a conversation laced with words like chiseled and cabbage. But uh, I guess we could. We could try it. <laughs> yes. Let's do a couple of super chats. I don't think there's many to go through, but let's just get them. Let's okay. just uh, knock them out here. Right Rhett, Rhett one, you want to, can you read that one? You want to see that one or no? I can't see it, but also I have to, I have to go for just a second. <laughs> you said carry self-censored. Um, Rhett one, uh, gives a super chat and says CEOs and senior management across the country are all beginning to slowly choke on their social justice virtue signaling. When they've had enough, there will be a backlash. Let us hope so, Rhett One. Uh, let us hope so, because it's going to take a backlash. Um, it might actually be better for them to keep choking on it for a little while because it allows um, alternatives to develop. Because right now there's a market for an alternative to YouTube, like Rumble or whatever. Um, so, Hermit Rush or Hermit Thrush, Hermit Thrush uh, says, "Hypocrisy is a vice under any circumstance because it blurs our capacity to assess what's real." Uh, Marcus Tilius Cicero on friendship. Um, I like the quote. I think it's correct. I mean, one of the that's one of the things that makes lying actually. Uh, self-destructive as well because you are faking reality um and now you've got to you've got to hold two reality contexts in your head and um it actually it 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 makes it difficult to, to it blurs a line between what's reality and what's the constructed reality in your head um in a nutshell it's one of the one of the self-destructive features of lying or um not features results uh, 2A Self-Defense Law just gives us five bucks and says, have a great, a good weekend. Thank you, 2A Self-Defense Law. Um, M Tax Shark. M Tax Shark says, why do we need constitutional lawyers, judges, and justices? We have the YouTube Star Chamber. 
Great discussion. Thanks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Why don't we just ask YouTube? In fact, I think, why have courts? I, I think uh, Susan Wojcicki can, can be the, the chief justice and the YouTube censors can decide who's guilty or not. Excellent idea. Uh, all right. Let's scroll a little bit. Oh, Carrie's back. Hello, Carter. Hey, um, we lose was, all our cabbage. <laughs> yeah, she was in an undisclosed location. I'm still scrolling, so you can do a tap dance or something exciting for people. Okay. Here we go. Hermit Thrush gives us another five bucks. Thank you, Hermit Thrush, and says, "Where everything is done through the bureaucracy, nothing to which the bureaucracy is really adverse can be done at all." Another. Great quote, right? Um, this is the this is just the feature of bureaucracies. They uh, they're analogous to biological entities that want to grow and expand. Like that's you know, asking a bureaucracy to, to maintain its size or shrink is <laughs> something that you shouldn't expect to to go well. They don't they don't want to. It's against their nature. Uh, legalized adulthood says Carrie was great on Friday night tights. My pronouns are attack slash helicopter. Welcome Thank to you. Adulthood. I really like hanging out with those guys. So I got to hang out with them a second time. Was it a week ago? I think it was time like is, time was is weird. Was it a week ago? I don't know. Yeah, maybe yeah. it was only a week ago. It was only last Friday, Carrie. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I, I missed most I, of it. I but. dig their audience. It's fun too. They give good, funny chats. Anyway. Uh, okay, let's see. Rodzilla5332 writes, Rumble is about to release live streaming, which to me feels like the closest to YouTube. Have you considered Ruben's Locals? Scott Adams loves it. Odd sub to you there. We are actually working on exploring Locals. Um, and when if Rumble releases live streaming, great. Uh, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take a look. Um, let's see. Oh, I think I can do the next one. Tenacious T. Good. What a great name. Tenacious T, thank you for the cabbage says, are there technical solutions that can subvert YouTube AI algorithms that detect and classify content like code words, background noise, masks, etc.? I don't know, but that's well, what you just made, you just going. did a solution. It wasn't technical, but it was a great solution. The yeah. chiseling cabbage or whatever the hell we just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are there technical solutions? I mean, got to teach everyone a new language. See? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Um, look, my my ultimate dream here, which is going to sound, I, I don't know that we're going to do this. So don't don't. This is not like a company goal. I'm not totally sure we're going to end up doing it. But I I wouldn't mind building our own live streaming service on our own domain at some point. So it's just we're safe. We know we're safe. We're safe. You know, it's good. We can do what we want with it. You're not wrong to be making those plans for us now. And I was telling someone that you were doing that yesterday because I was I like the fact that you have this long term thinking of, you know, we don't know where things will end up and right. we need to have the ability to control our own content and, um, you know, have everything backed up. And it would be great if we would could eventually do that or just ourselves. I think I think, you know, we used to see everybody, the Internet, people used to go to individual sites Right. And then over time, you got these big behemoths, these social media companies, and everything was pulled to those. And so then yeah, the it became, right. yeah, then it became less important to have, for example, a movie site than it was to have a movie page on Facebook or a movie page on Twitter or what have you. 
And I think with all the censorship that's been happening, one thing that they're going to be competitors. We're in a very interesting time. There's a lot of opportunity. They're going to be competitors, but to the big socials. Also, I think you are going to see more people. We've already seen this. A lot of the the people who got unpersoned just have started doing their own sites with their content on their site. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm not a hundred percent that sure that's what phase we'll be in, but that, that is one of the motivations behind doing it on our own site is we might, I, I think it's not out of the question that we might enter a phase that's more akin to back in 2000, where you go to different sites and not so much to aggregators. Um, we'll see. I, I could be wrong, but that's one of the reasons, you know, um, in any case, it'd be nice to own our own stuff. So, um, AOC again. Hey, AOC. I love your name. Alexandria occasional cortex says beware parlor equals Cambridge Analytica. Oh, does it? I don't I thought parlor was owned by Dan Bongino now. I, I can't, who knows? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, Legalized Adulthood says, oh, my God, Carrie is right. It's the new prohibition era. It's only freedom of speech that's prohibited, not booze. My pronouns are biggest slash dickest. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's freedom of speech that's prohibited, but it's, and it's also congregating together. That's why we're going to bring back speakeasies. But instead of being speakeasies <laughs> just like in the 20s where you get together and you, you booze it up, and, you know, there's a red light on at somebody's house or whatever, and we put the red light on and be like, come to my house. We're going to paint, have a painting party. You know, yeah. we're going to do speakeasy. We're having game night. Psst, tell your friends. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In fact, if you missed it, I think we talked about the temperance movement recently yeah. uh, in, 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 uh, as a metaphor for some of this. And I always have a book about something. If you're interested in the temperance movement, this is called Last Call. This okay. is about the rise and fall of prohibition. You will notice a lot of similarities between the temperance movement Oh, we need and to a modern. Uh, I would love to read that. <laughs> Social justice warriors. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting read. And and by the way, uh, some of these some of these figures in the temperance movement, they were social justice warriors. Like they were socialists. I mean, that was their yeah. thing. Um, some of them, not all of them. Okay, but they had they employed a lot of the same techniques. Were like moving the goalpost, changing language, like. We talked about earlier in the show, you start with toxic masculinity, then you just talk about masculinity as if it's the same thing. They did the kind of same thing with the temperance movement. Like temperance just meant like drink alcohol a little bit, but not too much. Don't get drunk. And then it like suddenly became like not at all. Like it, it was yeah. the, that they wooed people in who didn't want yeah. prohibition. Yeah. It, it, they use a lot of the same techniques um, because they were they had a similar kind of religious fervor to the social justice warriors. All right. Um Roger Haynes, I see a lot of channels using words like Yahtzee, Frito, Frito or Fredo, and Grapist. <laughs> oh, see? It's already It's not happening. cool enough to do this. I, We're going to do it. I didn't even read off my whole word list to you. I also came up with, uh, so Joe Biden's the big guy, Trump's the orange man, Kamala Harris is deep throat, and, um, and then also, I'm, okay, I'm sorry, throat. that was a bad, that was a bad joke. <laughs> Just allow me one. No, nope, it's okay. Joke. You got your one. I, go I rarely make them. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, if you're going to start speaking this way, you just need to have patience with me and coach me because I'm going to make okay. some errors on this. I, if we choose, if we choose an alternate language, I do vote for 
1920s language. That is, that's the yeah. era to do. So, yeah. um, you and I are in agreement on that. Okay. Hermit Thrush, another five bucks and says, Carter and Carrie are both pretty cool. <laughs> I'm not, but thanks. <laughs> uh, they're worthy of a cumulative 75% of an hour's wage. Some idiot in a super chat. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you thank you for that i appreciate it <laughs> somebody said did carrie just say low blow sorry <laughs> she did say low blow sorry, sorry that was the pun intended or no no it was not intended oh. <laughs> <laughs> she's deep throat oops that was a low blow oh my god carrie sorry sorry you won't get banned for that kind of content though that's fine okay uh sun king sun king says culture war can be won by using the strength and flexibility of the free market against the top-heavy bureaucracy style of the far left, cultural renaissance brings economic plus reward to participants. Yes, uh, sort of. The free market, which, by the way, for those of you who are new, I do actually love the free market. So I'm not. this is not me disparaging the free market. It is the only moral way for humans to interact with one another. The free market does not guarantee that the best thing rises to the top in the short term at all. The free market guarantees that the most popular thing rises to the top. The free markets, with the products of the free market are dependent on the culture. And so, uh, if we have a culture that is hell-bent on destroying itself, uh, you'll have, you'll ride quite a wave of self-destruction before before it actually implodes, you won't immediately get like, oh, I've got a, I've got a less self-destructive thing that, that's over here that everyone should pay money for or whatever. Like that doesn't mean it'll work right away. Um, and, you know, if you've ever been in the startup world, we all know this one. The best ideas do not always win. Um, that is, you know, it's just a myth. The best ideas don't win. Sometimes they do, but not always. Okay. Uh, this, is not a, this is not a super chat, but people ahead. in the chat are cracking me up right now. I was having trouble paying attention. I apologize because okay. Elizabeth says, can Hunter be sizzle chest? Sizzle <laughs> and, chest? And then somebody said, I can't even. Can he be leg hair? Like, I don't No, Hunter. Hunter, though. Oh, oh and Hunter. Then Scott Joe says Joe Biden is creep throat. <laughs> oh, creep throat might be. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right. Um. Oh, yeah, this one. Uh, Rhett one says, ha, the fan, the fandom menace is a bad influence in Carrie. Nice one. I assume that's a Friday Night Tights reference that I don't get. That's fine. Um, <clears throat> LPJ says, toxic male up, up in here. Glad to see he, her, Joe Biden, and Kamala winning the person of the year. Oh, did they win the person of the year? I think Wouldn't they did. that be people of the year? Or are they now one person? Words don't mean anything anymore, Carter. I forgot. I'm sorry, yeah. Not to magazines. Yeah. Not to, like, people who are professional writers. Words don't mean anything to them. They just mean something to regular people who have jobs. Uh, but if you work at Time Magazine, no. Okay, that's it for the Super Chats. But the Super Chats reminded me of one more thing I want to talk about. Can we talk about one more thing? Uh, okay. Is that right? Or do you have something else? Yeah, you, you no, nah, that's go. okay. That's... You always have to go. Oh, it's okay. I'm gonna, it'll be quick. Okay. I would like you to, this is going to be tough. Remember back. Uh, way back? 
like way back a month and a half ago, okay. before the election. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I know it was a long time ago. Way back before the election, we were told by outlets like NPR and every other mainstream media outlet, things like this tweet, which I will read. Why haven't we seen any stories from NPR about New York Post's Hunter Biden story? Read more in this week's newsletter. And what it says here is, we don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories. And we don't want to waste the listeners and readers' time on stories that are just pure distractions. Now that the election has happened, now that the election's happened, and they're confident in Joe Biden's victory. Let's search for Hunter Biden. Oh, look, he's under federal investigation. Apparently, he's been under federal investigation. Apparently, Bill Barr knew he's been under federal investigation. Oh, now it's okay to it's talk all about. for the news now. Now we can talk about Hunter Biden. Okay, now so we can talk about Hunter now Biden. Now we can talk about it. Why? This is very interesting. Again, for those in the echo chamber who don't get it, who are asleep, sleepwalking NPCs, why do you think it's okay now to talk about for the, why is the media going in hard on the Hunter Biden stuff now? Why? What might be it? Oh, because oh, I know why. But I, do you want you look want me to raise my hand? Carrie, yeah, pick, raise, call me. <laughs> Carter, why? <laughs> um, I believe there's two reasons. I believe the first reason is uh, we can't get rid of Biden anymore. Like now Trump's gone. So they accomplished that goal. So they didn't need to hide it because they were obviously hiding it. Uh, they so were that hiding Trump, it because they didn't want it to hurt right. Biden's chances of winning. And the second reason is they really want Kamala. So if we can get yes. rid of Biden, <laughs> we get yes. President Kamala. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, now it's time for the machine to turn against Joe Biden. Uh, <laughs> woohoo! Yeah. By the way, someone said that my ASMR voice is creepy. I do not disagree with you, sir. Uh, I think my ASMR voice is creepy. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't have a lot to say about this. I don't even want to read the stories about it right now on the show. I, it's, it's just infuriating. And it, well, it's not surprising because we know that they do this. But it's something to just know. I want you guys to pay attention. It's a nothing burger before the election. Sweep it under the rug. It doesn't exist. Now it's a lot. Now it's legitimate. Why? Because we got the election results we wanted. And these are the same people that spent the last four years talking about election interference. (laughs) This is what election interference looks like. What election interference actually looks like is not Russians spending 100K on various Facebook ads to turn people against each other, which is what happened last time. What actual election interference looks like is the entire cathedral colluding to not print damaging information about a candidate because they want him to win until after the election. That's election interference. That's what election interference looks like. And these people, as always, are guilty of the crime they've been accusing other people of this whole time. Yeah. <sighs> they cheesed it before the election. They, they cheesed did. it before the big show, meaning they, they hit it. That's a 20s word. They cheesed it? They hit it. Is that what cheesed it means? Yeah. By the way. Oh, go ahead. No. I was just going to ask if you saw the, we don't have to play the video, I guess. Did you you see the woke Santa? (laughs) I heard about this. You didn't see it? 
No. Uh, actually, let's just go ahead and end on this. It'd be funny because I haven't seen it, so I'll watch it for okay. with fresh eyes. So this is uh, here. Let's see if I can. Yeah, let me pull this up so we can actually play it. Um, it with might be hard peep- to understand, but what? With fresh peepers. Yeah, it might be hard to understand. So if it is, I will. I can kind of say what's happening if you need. But here's the video. Um, and this is a what you're about to see is a kid. This little kid here, if you're watching. This kid at like a mall or store or whatever, he's going to ask Santa for something. What do you want for Christmas? You don't know. What? He's saying he wants a nerf. No, I, no, no gun. And Santa says no guns. Not even a Nerf gun? No. No. If, you, you, if your dad wants to get it for you, that's fine, but I can't bring it to you. I can't what bring you a Nerf gun. Lots of other toys. There's Legos. There's bicycles. The kid, have to watch the, whole thing. The, kid ends up, the kid ends up like, I'll just fast forward. The kid ends up like crying in his mom's arms. Uh, right? Yeah. Because Santa is an asshole. That's why he's crying. Yeah. <laughs> so Santa says no Nerf guns. The... Uh, the good thing here, the happy ending to the story is Woke Santa was replaced by Base Santa. Base Santa showed up at the kid's house with the best Nerf guns ever uh, and gave the kid a bunch of Nerf guns. I think people sent Nerf guns to the family. Um, wait, wait, are you for real? There's yes. another Santa that came to his house. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, there's videos How that you can cool watch. That? Yeah, because the video I, went viral. So, And I bet it was a real beard Santa, too. I'm just guessing. <laughs> uh I don't know. I only saw his back in the video, or I don't remember uh, seeing his beard. Maybe, maybe it was a bearded Santa. I like the um, real beard Santas. Those are some cool guys. Um, yeah. How cool yeah. is that? Okay. Well, that's a happy. So that's note. a good note to end on. We have one more super chat before we can say goodbye, and that okay. super chat comes from Dave Omer, and Dave says, "If you use Google Opinion Rewards, you can donate your balance here." I wish I had realized that before I wasted it on all on apps I never use. I didn't realize it either. Um, cool. Beverly, can you remind me to look into this? Beverly is our chief worry, uh, financial worrier. Uh, can you remind me to look into this? And we will advertise to people. We'll tell people to please do this. That that that's awesome. Thank you. All right, I think that's it. I think we are. I think we are done. We can call it a day. Um, I say have a great weekend, guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to support the show, you can go to unsafespace.com to our donate page. If you want to support financially. It'll take you to subscribe star or uh, your PayPal or Bitcoin, whatever you want. We have book club coming up. That's free to join. You can be in the video chat with us on December 20th. Um, just go to the book club page at unsafespace.com. We're reading The Moon is a Harsh Mistress this month. It's a fiction, one of Carter's favorites. Mm-hmm. And uh, next month we're reading James, Lindsay, and Helen Pluckrose's Cynical Theories. If you want to get a jump start on that. And I hope you put your glad rags on and you go out. And I do a speakeasy this weekend. <laughs> and make, yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and we're going to get better with the lingo. I will. Uh, I'm going to wear my Santa hat on uh, starting Monday for the rest of the Kofefis. I'm going to wear my Santa hat. Um, so thank you, Sandy Kins, again for my Santa hat. And uh, just as a heads up, we are going to take a few Kofefi breaks off around Christmas. We'll try and have other content for you guys. Uh, we will have time. other content. Yeah, but but we are going to take 
we don't even know what that content is going to be exactly, but we are going to take um, a couple of heavy breaks off. So I don't know. Go spend that time with your family or watch our other stuff. All right. Later, everyone. Have a good one. Bye, Carrie. Uh, Bye, I'll see you Monday. Yeah. Take care. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. It would be a shame if someone discovered a reason to cancel you as well. Did you know that good citizens always trust secret processes? If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Here's a fun fact, YouTube does not censor ideas, and any suggestion to the contrary is grounds for immediate suspension. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.